Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at gofundme.com slash f slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039s hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon ah mr luthor do you need any help come on come on just just a little bit just one little drop look look mr anatoly i I can't uh, have a stream of urine that is all powerful if you are watching my winky which i will refer to as little x I, I do not understand why you need the jar of jar of peace just for this uh, little explosion. Why can't you just, you know, blow up the Senate and without the jar? <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect somebody of your intellect to understand, but Senator Finch made a comment about Granny's peach tea and not believing it and something about a jar of piss. So you know what? I'm going to fill up a jar of pee-pee and put it right in front of her before I blow everybody up. <laughs> it's going to be great. I, I do not understand why she would automatically know what it's supposed to be. It seems a little it seems a little distracting to be a full jar. And also, it seems like you've filled it up a lot already. How much piss do you want in this? Look, your one tiny little brain can't understand. But look, I need to get this last little bit of pee out. I can't stop. It starts to sting. Okay, well, uh, I'll just uh, be outside the door then. I don't really need to be here for this. <sighs> All right, Anatoly. Time to deliver the jar of peace. All those years in KGB, this is what I relegate to. Disgraceful. All right, here's the Senate chamber here. Hey, hold on there, buddy. What you got in the jar right there? Let me just take a little old look-see. Uh, nothing. You you don't want to look no, at that. No, I Trust think I me. do. Let me just take a look. Uh, okay. Oh, interesting. It's your funeral. A little bit of uh, the old nest tea, I take it. Gonna get thirsty there in the old... Uh, a little, a little. You're delivering this to one of the politicians? Yes, Senator Finch. She asked for this. She's a big fan of the tea. A big fan of this tea. It's really If it's good enough for her, it's good enough for me. Let me just take it. I gotta check it since I'm at the door. Uh, I don't know if you want to do that. Uh, it's too late. 
I told you. Tang, take it away. Now, now this is awkward. Get the hell out of here. With pleasure. I hate this job. I should have stayed in Russia. And welcome to Superhero Stuff You Should Know, Dawn of Justice, as we continue to debate the most controversial superhero film of pretty much the past decade. Uh, it's Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, with Snyder versus Critics. So it's me, Ben, the man who knows too much about Batman, and with me is, with his cereal boxes. <laughs> Tis I, everyone, here to be regaled by Sir Ben, ben Var. The storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> and? And crossing over, crossing over with his team up is? It's me. It's Zach. I'm back again. <laughs> you, need a, you need a, you know, embellish a little more. <laughs> I, well, I've already done Joker. Huh? What do you want? Me to do? All right. All right. <laughs> so that is what Zach is Brown, it? everybody. Not Zach Snyder. Exactly. In case anyone was wondering. <laughs> um. So, if you guys have not tuned into part one, uh, we bring up common criticisms of the Zack Snyder movies, dive into Snyder's intentions that he's brought up in past interviews, Vero postings, and the director's commentary, and then vote on where we fall on the scale of whether we agree with the critics or if we agree with Snyder. Uh, if we feel that it wasn't properly conveyed by Snyder, we sort of lean towards the critics. Uh, but in most cases, I think we found that we, we appreciate Snyder's intentions. Uh, despite what we might feel about the execution of them. Uh, in between each vote, I provide a relevant tidbit or little-known fact about the movie that's relevant to what we voted on. So, jumping right into it, the last score was Snyder 2, Critics 5, but we have plenty of opportunities for Snyder to catch up. Plenty. It was, it was pretty neck-and-neck neck for the final part of Man of Steel when everyone thought that was going to be a landslide, so you never know. But let's dive into it after the whole montage of Clark Kent trying to investigate Batman in Gotham City we have a scene of Lex Luthor talking to Holly Hunter's Senator Finch which is then followed by Bruce Wayne sort of having this dream sequence of visiting Wayne Manor and getting attacked by the giant bat and this is a deliberate choice on Snyder's part to have these scenes back to back because he wanted to show both Lex and Bruce have relics of their past specifically their fathers Lex keeps his room just the same, just like how his father kept it, with the one exception, of course, being the painting that he flips upside down. Bruce, in the meantime, has left Wayne Manor the same to the point where the house has been left to rot and has even been destroyed, which uh, we found out recently may have, you know, a certain clown prince of crime might have had some <laughs> involvement in that. But we'll get into that when we get to the Batfleck deep dive on that. But anyways, that is a deliberate symbolism to ha draw sort of this parallel between Lex and and Bruce in the fact that they're both against Superman. They're both of these billionaire, you know, corporate businessmen with a lot of power in there. And you, you see how one is already corrupt while the other one is on his way to sort of getting corrupted but ends up regaining his humanity by the end. So that's kind of where they were going with that. Uh, the giant bat did sort of remind me of the deleted scene from Batman Forever. I don't know if Snyder <laughs> really intended that, but... Uh, that was the last time that we talked about having a dream where there was a giant bat in there. Uh, funny enough, that giant bat does not actually have any wings because they knew that wouldn't show up on camera anyway. So there was no point oh. uh, on that. So nice little tidbit there. When Bruce wakes up, this led into something that was criticized. And it's a very small moment. Uh, Batman drinks. 
in this version yes. of Batman versus Superman. When Ben Affleck wakes up, he immediately goes for the wine and drinks. Kind of unfortunate that uh, Ben Affleck is the only on-screen Batman to be drinking alcohol considering his own rehab history. But unfortunately, that's kind of just what ended up happening uh, on here. Probably by coincidence, I don't think Snyder was making any uh, you know, judgments on Affleck on it. I think that was, if, in fact, this was more about Snyder's take on Batman than it was about Affleck himself. There's a specific reason that he was going for it, which uh, Snyder shared to our friend of the podcast, Andrew Farrago, in his major opus book uh, on the 80th anniversary of Batman. And here's what he had to say. The one thing I really wanted to do with my Batman was to give him some real troubles. He had a drinking problem and an opioid addiction. Was a sex addict, probably. As opposed to the monk warrior that everyone always thought him to be. (laughs) I felt like the Frank version, the real version, is that he never really was cured of the loss of his parents. He made our lives better. He sacrificed himself for the greater good. But that sacrifice has come at a cost. Okay, so... Darkness. This explains all around darkness. the world. No, no parents. All the opioids and wine. Opioids. I like so, drugs. He does pop pills before he drinks the wine, and he is waking up next to a woman, so apparently that was supposed to show that he has an addiction to all of these things. However, I don't think that was necessarily conveyed, nor do I think it's necessary for the story. It just kind of is a throwaway part. Uh, Alfred does comment that he seems to be drinking a lot because he does have the line, you know, I hope the next generation of Waynes don't inherit an empty wine cellar. However, that is a direct line from The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, So Snyder isn't necessarily making shit up here. He is taking that from The Dark Knight Returns where Bruce is drinking. I rewatched The Dark Knight Returns animated adaptation last night and they actually expand on that where Gordon comments on the fact that Bruce is taking up drinking. And Bruce says that it actually helps. And Gordon's like, helps what? And Bruce says, staying retired. So Bruce apparently only drinks when he's retired from being Batman in at least the movie version of The Dark Knight Returns. But here it looks like he's already uh, drinking through it. In fact, Bruce's look when he was looking at the suit, Snyder described as, uh, I believe he described, or fans have described it as almost looking like an alcoholic looking at a bottle at uh, the bat suit. Again, very unfortunate that Ben Affleck is playing this with real life drinking problems probably during this time. They say in the dark night um, mm -hmm. behind the scenes in one feature featurette Mm -hmm. that they viewed uh, Batman as having an addiction to uh, Bruce Wayne has an addiction to being Batman. Like I, I think that doesn't really, they don't really expound on that, but that was part of their thought process, even for the dark night. So perhaps Snyder, um, saw the same feature writers. I don't know. Maybe he just likes that idea. And it's a different type of addiction. Through his yeah. own, through his own spin on mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. But yes, he's. So, I mean, he was going through rehab or something. Ben Affleck. Uh, yeah. He did after after Batman versus Superman, and I think that was probably because of the fact that he was going through a divorce with Jennifer Garner, and you know, obviously, this didn't do too well. Live by Night didn't do too well. Again, I'm not going to make assumptions on his personal life. Sad flex. Remember that meme? It, it was a com- comic. This was around that yeah. whole time. It's a <laughs> testament to. Money doesn't equal happiness, y'all. Yeah, yeah. But it does look like he got things back together. He went through rehab. He's back in the suit for the Zack Snyder Justice League. So it's almost like he had his own Batman arc himself and sort of overcoming that and going back to a role that 
probably caused him a lot of grief for a time because he was, again, reliving the whole trauma of Daredevil with people now crapping on the Batman movies that he was in. But, I feel sad for Bat... You know, Bat I mean, for a millionaire. For Batflick. I feel... <laughs> I feel but, but I do feel bad about it because, like, he does seem to really like it, especially Frank Miller's stuff. There's the connection between Daredevil and Batman there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, yeah. he, he seems to be all about it, and it's just, you know... And he, he was probably promised, hey, you play this in these movies, we're going to give you your own Batman movie. Uh, you know, I think that was there was some rumor that that was the deal, and these movies just didn't do as well at first. Who knows now? But, I, you know, there was a time whenever, mm-hmm. you know, probably those movies, his promise was broken, and he wasn't going to get that Batflick Zolo movie ever. Um, but shit, man, who knows these days with, with Snyder coming yeah. back in full effect? So yeah. we might see that fucking Deathstroke script he's got. After, yeah, after March 18th, who knows what's going to happen because yeah. I'm pretty sure that's going to be a big hit. But going back to Bruce Wayne drinking, uh, fans sort of criticize this because of the fact that most of the time Batman is not drinking or does not have a drinking problem. However, this was a deliberate intention on Snyder's part. That I don't think it's quite conveyed. However, I don't think it's a huge deal either to see him drink wine. Uh, in that moment but where do you guys stand on this whole issue with Batman drinking in this version starting with Zach don't like it (laughs) (laughs) no sir I don't like it no sir I don't like it (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like kind of like we talked about if it's if his uh, vice if his addiction of not having healed over his parents death is to go out and be Batman all the time that's it that's Mm -hmm. why he foregoes all this other stuff in his life because he's so solely focused on that one thing and i just feel like like you said it makes sense that he's drinking in the dark Knight returns because he's retired at this at that point Mm -hmm. but at this point it seems like batman's still active i know at one point when this movie came out it almost made it seem like batman had come out of retirement because of superman but i don't really see that as being the case it seems like he's been active this entire time it just seems like he's they make the statement that he's gotten more brutal yeah since superman and he's you know branding people and all that stuff but it's uh yeah i don't agree with it there because to me this is a batman that not only is wants to stay stay sharp to be an active crime fighter Mm -hmm. but also a batman that is paranoid and terrified of this alien presence so why does he want to numb himself and you know and be drunk or whatever at a time when i feel like he wants to be the most sharp and heightened that he can be because he's mm-hmm. he wants to know what's going on and he knows he's gonna have to do something about it good points andrew i agree to a point zach i think i mean Snyder said in interviews that he views this batman as a burnout he used the word burnout i believe in one interview <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and it does make sense that you said he wants to, uh, you know, stay alert, to, you know, to fight this new alien presence. But addiction is addiction. So it doesn't, you know, you know, logically you're correct. But I think, you know, maybe he's coming out of addiction uh, in, in this. And I mean, it's, that's obviously like just so heavy for a Batman movie, I guess. But. That's just where, that's just where we are now, I guess. But, mm-hmm. but I mean, I I don't. Uh, and on top of that, I don't really. It doesn't bother me that much. It doesn't bother me as much as him branding criminals or shooting people outside of dream sequences. I think in the dream sequence, we let ha- Snyder have his fun. But 
outside mm. of it, it's just like he's a burnout, but is he such a burnout he's just fucking killing people left and right? <laughs> you know what I mean? If he's drinking, it's like cool. Fuck everything. He's an old, yeah. old, old, rich white dude. He, he gets drunk. You know, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't love it. I wish we don't need it, but does it ruin this Batman for me? It doesn't. So um, on the drinking thing, i maybe go with Snyder, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's up to me to be the tiebreaker. Here we go. One. Interesting. Okay, so I'm kind of I'm very much in between because I I com- I it's almost like I agree with both of you at the same time. I 100% agree with Zach about like no, he probably wouldn't turn to it during this time. However, ironically, Snyder doesn't really convey this addiction in the movie outside of that one no. line from Jeremy Irons being like I hope the next generation of Waynes don't inherit an empty wine cellar. And that's it. Like and I I always thought that that was like just a throwaway like pick from the dark knight returns i didn't look too deeply into it i i I completely forgot actually that he even goes for the wine when he first wakes up it didn't bump me at all which i guess is kind of (laughs) weird because you would think i would notice those things but for me i think i was just more i don't know just trying to get into the movie and into trying to figure out what this version of batman was that i wasn't really thinking about the implications of that i think if he was it was more blatant about the drinking problem and the opioids and the sex addiction, then I would probably feel a lot more mixed about it. But because this is one of those things where he ironically didn't really convey that outside of just literally seeing him take those things, which doesn't really equate to addiction, it's like it didn't really bump me that much. So this is a weird thing where like I I appreciate the intentions, but I also don't think that he, he conveyed it necessarily. And the fact that it wasn't conveyed uh, helped the fact that I wasn't too bothered by it. So I'm not really sure where I'm going to lie on this. I feel like this one's going to be a wash uh, at this simply because I, I don't think that I like Snyder's intentions. I, I get it, but I also don't think they were conveyed very well. And the fact that they weren't conveyed very well kind of helped me also not like help me appreciate it during the viewing. So it's like it's a weird back and forth for me personally. I mean, even if you don't watch, if you don't read the comics, yeah. if you just watch movies we had just right, seen yeah. a few years earlier where he just throws away the mm-hmm. the champagne or whatever in that scene in dark in the dark night and that to me was just i don't know it really stands out and it says says a lot and then you cut to this movie and he's just he's w- drinking wine as soon as he wakes up it's just it's interesting it's a very it's you know mm-hmm. Snyder's definitely like you know making his own version for sure yeah uh i'd say it's a wash cuz i'm very much in between on this so okay Snyder's still at two, Critic's still at five. Uh, let's see. So Bruce talks to Alfred and figures out that they have to go to the party. For whatever reason, the Ultimate Edition includes a shower scene with naked Ben Affleck. I don't know why. <laughs> that, that he was just part of it. sewn off his dick in Gone Girl, didn't he? <laughs> um, and then he goes off to the party uh, for Lex Luthor, who we've covered. We covered Jesse Eisenberg's performance in the last episode. However, I did want to point out an interesting factoid about Jesse Eisenberg's casting. He was not originally up for Lex Luthor in this movie. He was up for Batman. No, he wasn't. Uh, he was up for... <laughs> <laughs> you got me on that one. He's up for Scoot. <laughs> he was not up for Scoot's uh, part either. He was up for Jimmy Olsen. Oh, see, that would have been all right. But he wanted, so, a, he wanted a role that lasted longer than three seconds. Snyder thought it would have been cool to bring in Eisenberg as Jimmy Olsen. Everybody would get all excited about Jimmy Olsen, and then he would get killed off. And you would kill off not only a famous comic book character, but also a famous actor at the same time. Uh, now, again, my feelings on the whole Jimmy twist aside, that definitely would have been a shocker. 
Yeah. Like a like punch to the gut sort of thing. Uh, as opposed to Michael Cassidy, who I'm just like, oh, I kind of remember him from Smallville. So it didn't quite have the same impact. However, after meeting with Eisenberg in person, Snyder felt that Eisenberg was crazy and decided to have him as Lex instead. So Snyder felt Eisenberg was crazy. Yes. And it was just like, in one real of life. Lex. Yes. <laughs> You're a madman. You're twitching left and right. <laughs> he also wasn't sure if Eisenberg was really down for the Jimmy Olsen thing because Eisenberg, I don't think, is a huge comic book fan, so he probably didn't really know who Jimmy Olsen was and just thought, oh, this is a weird cameo part where I get killed off type of thing. And I'm sure the idea of him being Lex probably appealed to him more, mostly because it's a bigger part, but also because it's more interesting to play, too. Uh, even in that version, it's still more interesting to play that than just a f- photographer guy who has, like, three lines. So Right. Uh, let's see. At the party, here's the next thing. Again, this is this is a minor thing, like the drinking thing, uh, but it is something that got, I think, came up during the trailers because this moment is in the trailer where Clark is at the party and then the Aston Martin pulls up and Clark's like, who's that? And the other guy's like, you must be new. It's Bruce Wayne. And this was sort of criticized because people are just like, he doesn't know who Bruce Wayne is, but everyone else does. It's not like Bruce is a recluse like the Michael Keaton version, and Clark works at the news. How out of it is Clark? It's not like he's like covering sure he was his a goddamn football games too much. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have any time. He's dealing with fucking Perry's dumbass. <laughs> um, which kind of leads me to this uh, weird thing overall about how it feels like Batman and Bruce are both new and old at the same time. Uh, type of thing, and I'll go more into it when it, when it's my turn into this. But when it comes to the idea of Clark not knowing who Bruce is at all, where do you stand on that, Zach? I don't know. I think that's silly. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I, I didn't. I think the first time I watched it, it did just kind of go over my head. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the more I thought about it, I was like, he should know who that is. That's a pretty well known yeah. uh, personality and celebrity, basically. And it's a city right across from Metropolis. There is a Wayne building mm-hmm. in metropolis that we've seen get destroyed he should have even seen that mm-hmm. in the daily planet's newspaper articles you know writing on the descri- the destruction and old scoot's character you know he was in a <laughs> old scoot. article as well that you know they wrote all that stuff over so yeah i don't know how aloof this superman is supposed to be that he just like has no idea who it is so i don't know how to connect with human beings <laughs> yeah <laughs> who are celebrities it's kind of fucked up they put a guy named Scoot in a wheelchair. <laughs> Critics. <laughs> Critics on that one. I'm sorry, Snyder. <laughs> oh, shit. Zach, you have any more? Or is that I don't wanna I don't wanna take away from your time. No, is that pretty much no, it? I started thinking about Scoot after that, so uh, <laughs> that goes to the critics for me. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's 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 nitpicky, but I, yeah, I would go with critics on that one too. I mean, it's God, it's not a huge detriment to Snyder. I mean, maybe you know, maybe just he doesn't give a shit. Like everybody would know who Elon Musk is probably, but I yeah. think most people don't know who Richard Branson is. You know, yeah, but what if if you worked in the news, you would maybe. But if you're covering <laughs> goddamn football games all the time. I'm just trying to see all angles here. <laughs> you know he's not doing those football games. He's he's looking for the real story. Yeah. He bites him in five seconds because he's super fast. He'll too, just like <laughs> too bad they encase the football in lead. <laughs> <laughs> he can't see the ball. 
okay, so I agree with you guys. I think so. As I said, there's a weird feeling of Bruce and Batman being new and old at the same time. Old in the sense that you have the line about like you know 20 years in Gotham, Alfred, and that type of stuff. But also new in the sense that Clark doesn't know who Bruce is, and then the way that Clark treats the Batman story almost feels as if Batman is a new thing. You know, like he's just like there's this bat vigilante hunting after the poor, and right. Barry's just like so what, and I'm like. So right, yeah. Is Clark the only one who just doesn't know who Batman is during this continuity, or or what? Like it would make sense if what Zach said happened, where it's like he's out of retirement, mm-hmm. uh, and he just came back, and now that's a story. But I'm just like, none of this stuff really seems like a story. The main thing is that he's more brutal than before, but it almost feels like this would play better. Even the whole like who's that and that's Bruce Wayne thing would almost play better if Bruce was the say was in the same stage of his career. Uh, at this point, I know that's not the intention, but it seems like that would feel that would fit that a little better. Do you think and this is maybe a little too deep for for, for this movie, maybe, but is he focusing so much on is Clark focusing so much on the Batman of Gotham in order to shift the blame he feels for the Battle of Metropolis onto something else? The thing is, Superman doesn't seem to be grappling with anything to do with the Battle of Metropolis in this movie right. outside of Scoop. He's like, he's moving the fucking blame to Batman. That's what it is. That's what it feels like. Because part of me is like, why the fuck is he caring about this? He's this guy maybe brands one person uh, here and there. That's you're, another you're thing. You're fucking fuck. You you basically fucked up your first battle. Look, you like I said, you you were just dealing with Zod. I get it, but still, he probably feels some negative emotion about what went down that day you know uh, th- maybe but again that's not conveyed and as you said i know I'm just, i know i he starts off going to gotham in the ultimate edition trying to investigate that woman who accused him of killing her family and then he just completely gives it up because of this batman story and i was like he has no personal connection to this batman story and as you said andrew he like branded one dude yeah. whereas like you snapped it's a dude's neck it's a major <laughs> shift blame blame shift or whatever <laughs> Maybe he, Snyder is accidentally world. correct in this way. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but the biggest thing of all, I, I know some of it is Lex trying to manipulate the situation and turn them against each other, but as we saw later on in the movie, all Lex needs to do to have Superman fight Batman is to kidnap Martha. Right. So why do you need this whole thing about this woman pretending that Superman killed or like having somebody get branded and showing photos of Superman about this guy getting killed in prison and the Africa shit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that type of stuff. nothing to do with the t- taking fucking Martha. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, come it's, on, dude. It's very complicated. So I was like, I don't know if you really need, there's just way too many questions when it comes to this. So, okay. That goes to critics, critics, six Snyder two. Does Nairobi ever show up in the comics or are they just, not trying to have Nairobi in the movie. I don't know. You know what I, I mean? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good point. I, I'll, we'll do a Patreon just for Nairobi. Nairobi. <laughs> Nairobi. Okay. Nairobi. Uh, let's see. At the party, I noticed this is the first time that we meet Gal Gadot's uh, Diana. And she's first seen looking at Bruce. And I realize I have no re- we have no idea why. Does she know he's Batman? Does she just think he's hot? We don't know. But that's the first time that we notice. Uh, we notice Diana. Um, Bruce does the whole, uh, you know, going down to investigate uh, type of thing. And here's where I think um, this was somewhat, this is a minor thing, but I saw a lot of criticism for Affleck's 
Bruce Wayne, saying that Affleck's Bruce Wayne is pretty much just Batman in a suit, which is kind of what I was saying about Henry Cavill's Clark with Superman. But I would say mm, we only really get to see public Bruce Wayne in this sequence. There's no other scene where he's playing public Bruce Wayne. And here, like, again, back to the drinking thing, he pretends to be drunk. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of times he's like, oh, I was just looking for the bathroom. And, you know, when he flirts with Mercy, where he's like, I like those shoes. And, um, you know, telling Clark about how he's distracted because of the pretty brunette, like all those sorts of things. And I'm just like, I would argue Affleck is pretty much playing the same type of Bruce as Christian Bale was playing. It's just that Christian Bale had like three times as much scenes as play- as the Playboy Bruce compared to Affleck's like one scene in this mm-hmm. movie. So, uh I'm just saying Snyder on that for me, automatic point. But where do you do you guys agree or disagree? Snyder. Snyder. Also Snyder. Yeah. Go ahead, All Zach. Right. Oh no, I just agree with what Ben said. I mean, I don't we only see that version of Bruce in one one scene basically, and I think you did mm-hmm. a good job. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. have a problem with this. This is uh, yeah. uh, this is the first I've heard people having problems with this scene, actually. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, no, most of the, yeah, most of the time we see Bruce, he sure he acts like Batman, but that's also because he's mainly just talking to Alfred. Yeah. So of course he's going to yeah. be acting like that. He's not going to be like that anywhere else. He doesn't like, maybe he's he's channels Batman a little bit when he's in the boardroom and he's watching the Congress thing, but like why wouldn't he considering that he's watching, you know, a disaster happen in front of him. So Right. Uh let's see. He's Obviously people- Jack die, man. <laughs> it's Jack. Jack. Uh, Jack. Jack no longer with Jack! us. Dude. Jack. <laughs> Jack O'Dwyer. Uh, let's see. So, who? Uh, hold on. Uh, everybody. Who again? <laughs> that's who. Uh, so everybody caught on to this in the trailer, where the whole you know we have a bad history of freaks dressed like clowns is a reference to the Joker. But there's a very subtle other comic book reference here, where Clark introduces himself and he says Clark Kent, Daily Planet, and Bruce says. Daily Planet. Wait, do I own this one? And Bruce Wayne actually does buy the Daily Planet in the comics. So, <laughs> okay. Technically, that means Clark works for him. Uh, That's cool. Which is kind of uh, kind of cool, but also kind of demeaning at the same time, I think, <laughs> for Clark. But uh, let's see. And also, noticeably, the music at one point in the background is the song Night and Day to reflect Batman and Superman. So, oh, shit. Nice little Easter egg there from Snyder. Uh, But then we go into this long montage of Superman saving people that I think conveys what Snyder was going for for Superman's story better than the Africa sequence. When we find him, he's been dealing with the everyday world of being a superhero. But there's a paradigm shift happening and that the unintended consequences of some of those rescues are starting to come into fruition. Starting to see that every action has a reaction. Like if you're taking a cat out of a tree, you can't touch anything, or the arborist will say, He damaged the tree branch when he got the cat down. Or, the cat wasn't neutered, so now there's thousands of cats. There's no winning anymore with Superman. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. The arborist threw me. I was like, I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, so... He's basically why saying he's got that, that dour ass face the whole goddamn movie. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't seem to be enjoying himself very much. He's just like no. Uh, so Snyder yeah. brought up that this is again we live in a society where <laughs> <laughs> where Superman's oh, actions shit. would always be criticized. Um, fans have criticized this to mean that this is a Superman who's a this is a stretch. But I saw this on Twitter. I was like, you got to be kidding me. They're saying this. 
they interpret this to mean that Superman is afraid of liberals and cancel culture. But I don't think that's what Snyder's saying at all. He's saying this is a dramatic dilemma that the more Superman saves people, the more that people question him. He doesn't see this. He Superman just sees this as, I'm just out there helping and doing the right thing, mm-hmm. but other people don't know him. And so they're like, well, you know, why didn't you go save this? How come, you know, who do you answer to? What do you want from us? Because they expect him to sort of impose that power on them. They expect him not to be this good guy because they're so used to the bad guys or people abusing power, since power is a huge theme or the abuse of power is a huge theme in this movie. Um, but Snyder does outright say, quote, he doesn't want people to rely on him to solve all of their problems, uh, which I think is a good sort of, it's a good balance because of the fact that he could be out there trying to save everybody, but he also knows that's not realistic and he doesn't want people to sort of rely on him. He just wants to help out where he can. Uh, on oh. it. So I, I think this is almost in when it comes to Snyder versus critics, I think the critics sort of criticize this because of the fact that there's like no joy to the Superman. And I understand where they mean, but also I'm like, well, first off, a lot of people say Superman, the Superman doesn't save people. He does throughout this montage. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, I think it's more interesting to explore the potential consequences of it. Now, we could argue about how successful he was at exploring that, but I think when it comes to this specific montage, that intention comes through with the whole, like, people not really sure what to make of Superman and having all sorts of questions about who he is and, and questioning a guy who is just trying to be, you know, trying to help out. So, for me, I know I'm jumping ahead here for my part, but I'm to me, I'm siding with Snyder when it comes to betraying this aspect for this part of the movie. Two things. Yeah. Yeah. Where did the so the people in the hurricane? They did a really good job painting that S on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it raining? How did it get so perfect? That's what I want to know. Uh, that's a good point. It's waterproof paint. I don't know. Yeah, man. Come on, dude. And there's artists that live at that house. Okay. <laughs> Somebody much like very, yourself. Yeah, it was good symbolism. Like it was a good imagery uh, point. But I was just thinking, like, oh, that is kind of funny. I don't know if they could have really done that. Uh, but yeah, I agree. That's a point for Snyder. Other than his just like, other than Superman's expression, I didn't see anything really wrong with what was going on. I guess he has that expression because, like he's like we just talked about, every time he saves somebody, he's catching flack from somewhere. So he's mm-hmm. just feeling like you know maybe nothing that I'm doing is making a difference or mattering mm-hmm. uh, to anyone. But I feel like he's kind of taking the wrong message because obviously the people around him are very thankful. Uh, but he's he's kind of getting a message that's just coming in from the media that all these other talking heads don't trust Superman. So, right. but no, I, I would give Snyder a point. Cool, Andrew. So this is that big sequence with the Day of the Dead. Uh, he goes mm-hmm. there and he's he's yep. he saves the uh, the the, the rocket. rocket and <laughs> yes. and all that. And what is that thing in Antarctica, man? Is that like a whole fucking aircraft carrier he's yeah. carrying? No, what is ship. that thing? It's some old ship or something. That's that's what it looks like to me. And he's he's maybe saving them because they got stuck in the ice. Maybe that's what it looked like. Is that yeah. what that is? Okay. Yeah. Um. I mean, this is a cool sequence. Yeah. I, I think that if this was coupled with, if they had had the, the thing about the two African tribes and he he only has time to save one, maybe that would have like compounded and made all that sound even better too with the talking heads yeah. and all that. That would have been mm-hmm. great. It just wasn't conveyed. Um you know as well as it could have been so saying it could have been better it could have been better everybody <laughs> fucking <laughs> god damn it but you know we're armchair directors here so what the yeah. fuck uh yeah. but but you know anyway um but yeah i i liked it overall uh and i do love the idea of you know this is 
this is uh, a being with like just such ultimate power. Like no, not many, mm -hmm. not just Lex is going to be distrustful. It's going to be a right. lot of people, a right. lot. Just yeah. Lex has the money and the means to really act on it more mm -hmm. than most people. And he's, you know, more devious than probably most, especially, mm -hmm. you know, how we, how, how he should be written. But, um, it's probably, you know, that, that sentiment's felt throughout, throughout like maybe half the population probably. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. This is uh, Snyder, I guess, for me. Snyder 4, Critic 6. Yeah. Snyder's catching up. All right. One last tidbit before we jump to the break is that uh, in the Ultimate Edition, Lois Lane has a subplot where she's investigating the bullet that she found in Africa. The scientist she turns to is played by Jenna Malone, who previously teamed up with Zack Snyder on the movie Sucker Punch. Many fans assumed that Jenna Malone was playing Carrie Kelly uh, in this. Oh, Carrie yeah. Kelly being the Robin from Batman versus Superman and were convinced about this until they saw the ultimate edition and man, were they disappointed <laughs> because it's <laughs> not like that at all. That drama. Yeah. Um, so she plays a different comic book character. She is a character from the comics named Dr. Janet Clyburn. Uh, she works at star labs and she was introduced in the seventies in 1976 Superman number three zero four created by Jerry Conway and Kurt Swan. Uh, and she also was rescued by both Batman and Superman. So it is kind of funny that she wound up in a Batman and Superman movie. So that is Jenna Malone's actual character, not Carrie Kelly. So, oh well. Just putting that out there. Oh well. Mm -hmm. uh, now, when we get back from the break, we are going to explore probably one of the more controversial elements, which is the dream sequence, aka the nightmare. It's kind of nightmare, Batman. Nightmare. Yes. Need some adventure in your life? What Mad Universe is a podcast about the history of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, where we delve the depths of pop culture history. Everything's the same politically, but we have ray guns. The, the actual motive isn't to explore something that's, quote, yeah. scientifically possible. or. But neither is Star Wars, and I know there's Shh. arguments about that, but I would definitely consider Star Wars science fiction. You haven't it's, read Dune! You have, no, I haven't. You can never be the Kwisatz Haderach. What Mad Universe on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, big man. My name is Pito. Get it? <laughs> Pito. Real name is Pete. Villain name Pito. Just like what you did, man. With the like with the magnets and all that. Pito. Well, my name is not Magneto. It's Magneto. There's a difference, my boy. Six of one, half a dozen other, big man. I do not know what that means. Pito is a name. You don't know what that means. Homo sapiens and their terminology. You don't like the name Pito. Doesn't strike fear into the hearts of heroes and whatnot. I don't know exactly why I should be afraid of you. Well, my power is a super shriek. Super shriek? Super shriek. Check this out. Thank God I'm wearing the helmet. You remind me of the Banshee who I used to work with in Cuba. Fuck that guy. He's a twerp. Pito is the real deal, man. Pito and Magneto. You and me, buddy? Banshee sacrificed way more than you ever have for our kind. I don't know. You like that guy. Show some respect. Anyway, I think that Magneto and Pito should get together and make the human race finito. <laughs> well, at least we agree on something. That's what I'm talking about, baby. First stop, Vegas. We're going to win in all the slots, all the blackjack, all that kind of stuff, craps table, even a little bit of pie gal, and then destroy it completely. And then Vegas. Yes. And then 
go from there. You know what I'm saying? Branch out. But I think we just need to have a little good, good old time in Vegas first. I've never considered Vegas. I think you could do the magnetic powers on them there slots. We could win pretty big. I think so. I mean, money is made out of metal, right? A lot of it. Gold bars are a type of metal. Yes. So there you go. Magneto and Pito. I admit you have potential, Pito. You want to go get a burrito on the way to Vegas? Pito and Magneto getting a burrito before we make everybody finito. I suppose it fits the theme. That's what I'm talking about, brother. All right now. But first, we need to find my daughter. She, apparently, she's in this weird town with some robot boyfriend who I disapprove of. I mean, if he's a robot made out of metal, I think you got that one, big man. Excellent point. I like you already, Pito. I'm wearing this big-ass metal belt buckle so you can just fly me on over there and we'll fly there and fucking, uh, we got this. Take that motherfucker out. We will be fury that this world has never witnessed. Before you rip him apart with your Magneto powers, I'm going to scream at him real quick. Give him the super shriek. Give him the old one-two. Shriek-a-doodle-doo, boy. That's a good boy, Pito. That's what I'm talking about. That's a good boy. I mean, I'm not a boy, but I mean, I'll take it since we're, we're cool now. I'm about 80 years old. Everyone is a boy to me. That is true. You are old as fuck. All right, let's go. Let's go head to Westview. And I will have that burrito. That's what I'm talking about. Magneto and Pito. All right, everybody, if you like that sketch right there, we have that plus news, plus we're bringing back some opinion pieces and uh, review type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes. Basically, consider it Superhouse DLC. Oh! Welcome to Superhouse. Snarf, snarf, snarf. Welcome back to the nightmare, everybody, because that's what we're going to be covering right now. Sure, we skipped over the party scene where Bruce Wayne meets Diana Prince, but come on, any Wonder Woman scene in this movie was pretty much praised. Uh, so we don't really need to go much into that other than saying that this was an awesome debut for Gal Gadot. This was before Wonder the Wonder Woman. Woman movie, right? Yeah, yeah. They had to so like, kind of soft boot her in this. They had to soft launch. <laughs> Uh, back, Pretty much backdoor launch, I think it might be called. I know that sounds yeah. sexual, but I think that's I think that's what it's called. I've seen that movie. <laughs> I've seen, seen that on a website here and there. <laughs> but yes, she she's in this, and uh, Batman ends up getting access to what Lex Luthor's files were. And as he's waiting for those to upload, suddenly we cut to a vision that he has of the future with him wearing a long brown coat and wielding a machine gun. So <clears throat> there's a few things about Snyder's intentions that uh, he revealed on the director's commentary. Uh, first off, how does Batman have this vision of the future? It's not just a dream. It's actually the, the, the real future of what happens. Any ideas? Zach? Opioids. The opioids. The opioids. Yeah. The opioids. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's what it was. It's a fever dream. <laughs> I, I I mean this is some sort of interference with uh with Flash giving him dreams somehow. <clears throat> that's that's the only yeah. guess I've got. Pretty much. Uh Snyder himself is not sure. <laughs> he said that uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well goddammit, if you're not sure, nobody can be. <laughs> he says maybe it's a byproduct of Flash on the cosmic treadmill. That's so close to what Andrew was saying about uh, Flash coming back in time. This goes to back to what I'm saying. Sna Snyder will do anything to get that visual he wants. <laughs> A lot of directors are like that. Like yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. He he's sort of sacrificing, trying to figure out how to 
make the plot and the story points around it. And he's just like, I don't know, cosmic treadmill. Mm-hmm. But I really want to shoot this nightmare sequence of Batman with guns and a trench coat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a few Easter eggs. So when Batman first emerges uh, on it, behind him, to the left of the screen, you see a burnt Wayne Manor, even more destroyed than it was in, in the present day. Uh, and if the scene that's at the, at the end of the Joss Whedon Justice League is actually in the Snyder Cut, then that Wayne Manor served as the Hall of Justice uh, in between... Batman vs. Superman and the Nightmare. So that's interesting. And then when he looks out over the sand, of course, comic book fans know that the Omega symbol is in the sand to show that Darkseid has taken over. And we, of course, see Parademons later. Um, And then Batman himself seems to have his own army. Some people speculate that Carrie Kelly is one of the sort of women with machine guns on the bus. That hasn't been confirmed. However, Zack Snyder does has confirmed that in his vision, Batflex's next Robin would be Carrie Kelly. So it's not completely crazy for fans to want Carrie Kelly in this version. I mean, it's Frank uh, Miller. Dark Knight Returns left and right. Yeah, I mean, what, yeah. you know, it makes total sense. Uh, and then Superman here seems like he is homicidal, and that's because he has succumbed to the anti-life equation. Darkseid has brainwashed him. Uh, Superman has his own stormtroopers here as well. And when he reaches Batman and unmasks him, he says, she was my world and you took her from me. A reference to the fact that Lois Lane is dead at this point and uh, apparently supposed to infer that Batman failed to save Lois Lane from Darkseid. So <clears throat> there's a lot to unpack here because let's just say it was criticized because it's kind of just out of nowhere uh, in this movie. It kind of just lands, here's the vision of the future with characters we haven't introduced yet with Darkseid and the Parademons. <clears throat> Snyder was definitely intending to plant something to pay off in future movies. However, it was criticized for kind of just being random and out of nowhere on here. So where do you guys stand in terms of the placement of the nightmare sequence? Oh, I like it. <clears throat> I don't know. I um, I feel like the criticism kind of comes from the same place as the flying or floating Bruce, because for <laughs> me, it's just like we are, we are so used to super realistic Batman. It's like, mm-hmm what is this crazy stuff going on with this like dream sequence? But I actually like it just because it seems like it could be, if we don't know anything else, it's basically it could just be Batman's nightmare of what would happen if Superman mm-hmm. did turn bad. So that's what he's constantly thinking about. So it makes sense. The only part I don't like is the flash part and now, okay, it makes sense now, but I swear when we got out of the theater, that's something me and my wife talked about, like for at least 20 minutes, I was just like, <laughs> what? How do we? How how is a normal moviegoer <laughs> supposed to know that that's the Flash? We, me, and her weren't even sure at the beginning because we'll he has that, a little yeah. mustache, number mm-hmm. one, and he's got this like crazy armor on. And I was like, oh, that was supposed to be the Flash, and I just it really was a confusing segment, just that one part. Mm-hmm. But the nightmare part to me is actually pretty cool. Like I like seeing this, what I thought was just the alternate universe of what could happen. So. I never took issue with it. Andrew? I don't like Batman wearing a trench coat. <laughs> a, a duster or whatever. The cape, I put my coat over my cape. The, yeah, the, cape, the cape is cool <laughs> enough, man. It's just not an improvement for me. That's number one. But number two, on a positive note, the Parademon designs fucking rule. Uh, mm. A plus on that, Snyder. Um, I give you three points for that one. Um, <laughs> God damn, those parademons look cool. A lot of times when I see designs 
and even other designs in this movie, I'm just like, eh, I don't know. But like this mm-hmm. shit was fucking cool. I love that they shit. So better. they look a lot better than they did in uh, Justice League. Yeah, I bet because Snyder's better at that kind of thing. I think <laughs> yes. visuals. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's that, and um, I read it as the Flash, pretty much. It is like. We'll we'll do the flash the next the next that's the next thing because okay. I consider them to be separate. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> so apart from that, um, I mean it's a it's a fever dream. It's a dream sequence. So I mean him him using guns and all that is cool. You, I have no idea. I did not know that after seeing it twice that that is Superman having succumbed to the anti life equation. I had I could not tell that at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, do I like this sequence as a whole? It's fine, I guess. Is that what we're basing it? We're just we're judging based on that. Uh, I mean, it was criticized for sort of coming out out of nowhere. But if you enjoy the sequence, I guess you could agree with that and still enjoy the sequence. It's up to you. Um, I, I, this one's tough for me. I mean, you got I, the rock. <laughs> I don't. I don't necessarily need this. I would have preferred us have something else but i mean i do know he wants to hint at you know dark side cometh you know right. i like mm-hmm. that part that's cool i like see it's tough i don't know I, let me pass on this one i maybe <laughs> slight very slight critics maybe i don't know mm-hmm. i just i know a lot mm-hmm. of people just love batman using guns and you know love him with a yeah. with a duster with a trench coat on but i i don't i don't love that it's, for some reason it's become a cosplay yeah it's yeah. become a cool cosplay yeah um, I personally felt it was kind of out of nowhere. It sort of takes me out of it uh, when watching it. I'm not, and similar thing to what Zach was saying about the Flash. I also don't know how audiences are supposed to know what the Omega symbol means or why there's parodemons uh, or have a reason to care about any of that. So I'm siding with the critics on this one. Andrew's kind of undecided. Zach's siding with Snyder. So I feel like this is a wash right now. We're still got Snyder four, critics six on here oh man there's only two ahead though that's okay yeah so you can still catch up uh as long as it's not a landslide really you know that's it's fine there's no landslide so far yeah Yeah. it's still tight uh so one thing that has been pointing out it's not you have to look for it in the movie but it is clear in the promotional picks there is a joker card on the machine gun that batman wields designed off the original jerry robinson joker card way back from batman number one so they stayed very true to that this joker card has been seen again in the first promotional picture of Jared Leto's Joker for Zack Snyder's Justice League with his face blurred out in the background. And Snyder has confirmed that we may get an explanation for why there's a Joker card on the Nightmare Batman's gun in the Justice League movie. So okay. we'll have to see. Uh, but If he's uh, already hinting at it, then I'm assuming, unless he's assuming really he's fucking yeah. with us. Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the next part is where we're going to talk about the Flash. So the Flash comes back in time to warn Batman about what's to come. Again, similar critique for it being not only random, but also, as Zach said, we, how are we supposed to know who the hell this is? So, uh, Zach, is there anything else you want to expand on that? I feel like you've kind of already told us your feelings on this aspect of it. <laughs> <laughs> Critics, baby! <laughs> yeah, it's just, he doesn't. It's not a traditional Flash costume. And he did. He's got this little goatee and everything. And I'm just like, I really, for a second there, I was wondering who it was. Yeah. I think we kind of figured out it was the Flash when we left, or maybe Tony had looked it up on her phone. Mm-hmm. But I was like, if me, me, 
a comic book fan, <laughs> Batman fan, doesn't truly understand that that's the Flash. They have lost somebody along the way. Whenever they did that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was the Flash, though. Somehow. I don't know. Because I was... Uh, you, this was in the news before the movie, right? Or no? And I'm with Andrew on that. I only knew it was The Flash because I knew Ezra Miller had been cast as The Flash, and I knew that actor. So when he showed up, I'm like, oh, it's The Flash. But then I agree yeah. with, Sna- with Zach, where I'm just like, yeah, but how how's the guy next to me supposed to know that? Maybe I didn't know what the hell Ezra Miller looked like at the time, so I just <laughs> was like, I don't know who this is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're judging on this, too, because I'm going to go critics, I guess, on this. Critics? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to agree with that one, too. So that's Snyder 4, Critic 7. Is he popping um, out of his computer screen or something, by the way? Yeah. Kind of. He's out of some sort of portal, it looks like, probably due to the cosmic treadmill, as Snyder yeah. was talking about. Or Mother Box, kind of. I don't know. I fucking, uh, that, that whole thing I, is a little bit. You know, to Snyder's credit, he was probably told by producers, like, get to Avengers as quick as possible. Put, put yeah, in the right. team. Okay, and Snyder's yeah. like, ah, oh, and with Goyer or Terrio. Uh, emails, yeah. okay, and mother box on the screen. Fuck, <laughs> goddamn these fucking producers. You know, I don't know. Yeah. You yeah. just don't know. You these have people it's breathing possible. down their necks, probably, dude. Yeah, there is a level where I'm not sure if some of this is because of Snyder. Uh, this is also why there's some excitement for Zack Snyder's Justice League because of the fact that it feels like this is definitely going to be as much of Snyder's original uh, take on things as possible, as opposed to studio interference. Because we got what studio interference. Justice League was, and that was not good. So we're yeah. getting pure, unadulterated Snyder, and maybe that'll turn out to be the best out of his three DCEU movies because of the fact that he is impeded less by the studio. Who knows? We'll see uh, on that. They should change uh, it to just DCU, by the way. We say MCU. Yeah. We don't need extended. <laughs> extended from what? The comics? Like, <laughs> we just don't need the extended. Yeah. I, I, it's too ingrained at this point, though. Yeah, you know, I just you can't just change it at this point. I hate that. Just DCU, perfect. MCU, DCU. Uh, let's see. I did have an argument with the late Emma McAllister, who I dedicated the Cataclysm uh, episode to, where she was like, "It's a dude in red who can tra- time travel." Of course, it's the Flash, and I'm just like, "Yeah." Most people don't know that the Flash can time travel if you're not a comic book fan. And then how are you supposed to know that's the Flash based off of the suit, as Zach was pointing out? So uh, a visor comes up too real quick, like a couple yeah. frames. It's like, like I didn't it the first fight. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was that was kind of cool. I mean, it's something. It's cool, but it's like how it's again a little are, overdone. Yeah, how are the regular audiences supposed to know about that? So uh, <clears throat> because of this, I did incorporate it into my Justice League rewrite back in 2018. So this is my little plug for Justice League: The Time Travel Cut, where I had my own explanation for what the hell is going on uh, with uh, the Flash scene. Uh, this does obvi- This is something that Snyder obviously was planning to pay off for later Justice League movies. In fact, he even says in the commentary for Batman vs. Superman, Donna Justice, that uh, it's sort of an explanation uh, about what's going on. However, I'm going to hold on to that because that might be something that we might end up seeing in his Justice League, and I don't want to spoil that. So, Very good. Uh, on to the next one. Uh, next tidbit is it's actually part of the comics where Flash comes back in time to warn Batman about the future. It's in the big crossover event, Crisis on Infinite Earths. So, you know, Snyder was 
staying true to the comics at that point. Though, of course, if you're reading Crisis on Infinite Nurse, you definitely know who the Flash is. Uh, just saying. Yeah, uh, hope, hopefully. DC if not, yeah. please email us. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> leave us a comment if you're that person. They, they did something similar in the CW crossover, crossover Elseworlds, where Flash comes back to uh, give a warning. However, it wasn't Ezra Miller, nor was it Grant Gustin. It was John Wesley Shipp as the 1990s Flash going back in time to give clues on how to defeat the Monitor or venturing into Earth-1 from Earth-90, where he was uh, coming from. Uh, and, of course, featured and closed out his arc uh, as the 1990s Flash in the CW Crisis on Infinite Earths. So uh, that was a nice send-off to a character who basically was on a canceled show from the 90s. So that's awesome on there. They only had one season of that shit, right? Only, Yeah, only one season, mm-hmm. but it was the pretty much the main live-action Flash if you discount the failed Justice League pilot, uh, live-action Justice League pilot in the 90s. So J- John Wesley Shipp obviously got on to continue with the Flash legacy with the CW stuff, and he's fantastic in whenever mm-hmm. he shows up. Uh, okay, so the next part is on Bruce's motivation to go after Superman. So after the nightmare vision, he goes to Alfred and reveals that the real reason why he's going after the white Portuguese ship is because he wants to take the kryptonite and kill Superman. And uh, obviously Snyder's intention here is that Bruce saw the future and sees Superman as a threat and wants to stop him and feels like that's the only thing that he does in his life that matters uh, will be to prevent Superman from destroying the rest of the world. Uh, because he feels like Superman's the reason why we're in that apocalyptic vision, because he doesn't know who Darkseid is yet. Uh, <clears throat> however, critics say that this motivation is muddled, considering that we got the destruction of Metropolis, plus this vision of the Flash, plus this Africa incident, plus this explosion at Congress that's going to happen later. Um, so uh, right. people say that this is a little too convoluted for that and thought it was a little ridiculous. So... Where do you stand when it comes to Bruce's motivation to go after Superman in this? Mm, I'll go with the critics on this one. I guess you could see the nightmare as being like a tipping point, but mm-hmm. yeah, but just like you said, all this other stuff has kind of built up to uh, his motivations anyways, which are still very, I don't know, very un- very unclear to me just because I just think that Batman, his first instinct shouldn't be to just go like kill someone, which even though Superman is an alien, mm-hmm. I mean, he never even tries to like contact him or do his, Batman doesn't seem to want to do his own research, his own detective work into Superman himself. Right. What Superman is doing, he's more interested in the detective work to find the kryptonite to kill Superman. So I don't know. It's all a little convoluted, but I'll give that one to the critics. Andrew? I pretty much agree with Zach a hundred percent. I'd have to mm-hmm. say, uh, I mean, Batman just really having this crazy bloodlust. I know we're dealing with burnout Batman, but it's just, I don't know. I I wish that they had chosen a different path, everybody. I don't know. That's all I got to say. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I agree on that. I feel like the motivations, first off, I agree 100% with Zach that, like, Batman's instincts should be, would most likely be investigating more than anything else. Even if he has his suspicions, he still wouldn't go after Superman unless he knew for sure that it was Superman. If Lex did a better job of framing Superman, I think in the past I've pitched the idea of him doing a Bizarro-type character to to frame Superman Mm -hmm. and a lot of things, that would make more sense because then if Batman really thinks that Superman's out there killing a whole bunch of people and is this all-powerful alien killing a bunch of people, I could see Batman feeling like, oh man, I might might have to kill this person 
just because this is more. This is not just the Joker. This is not. I mean, he must have been humans. seeing him save people too, and that even, too. Yeah, but plus, like, if if it was maybe the Battle of Metropolis and Man of Steel was enough. Obviously, that's what set up this one, but it's just. Mm-hmm. I mean, even with that, you still kind of would want Batman to, like Zach said, kind of research a little more before just making a spear and trying to kill this guy immediately. Right. It's just so quick. It's just so it's it's so out of character. I mean, maybe it's right, I guess it's in character for Zack Snyder's Batman, but not not with the uh, you know <clears throat> universe outside of that, the mythology, yeah. the standard mythology. Yeah. We're not going to be able to. We don't have time to cover the Martha stuff yet because we're not there yet. But when we get to that, a big part of that is sort of this revelation that Superman has a mother, and it's kind of like, well, couldn't Bruce have figured that out? Like in almost <laughs> yeah. all the other interpretations, yeah. he he figures out that Clark Kent is Superman, and it's a little ambiguous Stupid. when he. F- it is a little ambiguous when he figures <laughs> that out because it does seem like he might be suspicious of Clark when he's talking to him at the party, and that Lex deliberately set up the fact that Clark and Bruce would meet there at the party, but it's not really clear how he jumps to that conclusion. It just seems like Clark overhears the the communication device where Bruce is talking to Alfred and figures out from there that Bruce is Batman, and Bruce somehow figures out that Clark is Superman from that conversation about the Daily Planet at Lex's party. That's what it seems like. I might jump in a little bit, but how the fuck does Lex know that about the lead thing with the, with the wheelchair also? Dude, Lex knows everything in this movie. He knows all of everybody's identities. He knows the lead stuff. He gives the names of Cyborg and the Flash right. and Aquaman and their brands in the thing. Lex is behind a lot of stuff in this. It seemed like they didn't explain Maybe. that, right? I mean, specifically they did not that explain. Point? They did not explain how he knows everything, no. About the lead specifically, right? I mean, right. I know you're, what you're saying is accurate, but... They, Unless they, he knows... Like, how would he know that Superman has X-ray vision? Because I don't remember him using X-ray vision in Man of Steel, so it's not like the U.S. Army would have that on record. That's true. I was just thinking about the lead, but, like, even from the jump, he didn't even know about the X-ray vision. That's fucking nuts. <laughs> yes, that's right. So that, that that I mean... He's just that smart. It's cool that he couldn't see the bomb, and he did that, but they just didn't explain how they got there. You know? Yeah, so... Anyway, that's back to the critics. Snyder, four, critics, eight... But, again, Snyder has some chances to catch up, so let's see. Uh, In the Ultimate Edition only, we have some scenes where the Metropolis criminals kill the sex trafficker, Santos, in prison because he has the Bat brand, and this way Lex can manipulate Superman. Um, This is a little weird to me because of the fact that it seems like people who went into prison with the Bat brand were getting killed anyway. Uh, So I'm not really sure, unless Lex was behind that the whole time. But then, why would Superman care as much about that and then it does Lex really need to do that because Batman's already going around killing people it's a little bit messy <laughs> to say the least yeah, uh, on that yeah. but uh, there's a part where Clark talks to Santos's girlfriend and she says about Batman she says quote words won't stop him you know what stops him a fist and fans have sort of used this as foreshadowing or reason why Superman does not try to talk Batman out of the fight later on when he's like Bruce we have to talk, and then they just end up fighting for the next seven minutes when yeah. Superman could have just been like, yeah, they got my mother hostage. There's, we've been manipulated. Yeah, yeah, he could have just said that immediately, right? <laughs> I mean, shit. But uh, we haven't gotten to the fight yet. But anyway, I thought that was a nice... If you guys haven't seen the Ultimate Edition, that's the stuff that's in there. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's Was that woman cut entirely? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was... Okay. Yeah. She was most recently, for me anyway, in Lovecraft Country. 
incredible in that also. Ah, uh, nice. But uh, I was like, I know her from somewhere. Oh, yeah, I love Craft Country. Anyway. No, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, I haven't seen her in anything else. Uh, we do have the lead up to uh, Batman going to the ship where the kryptonite is being taken. And this is where we see, for the first time, Batman kill in present day. Yes, we see Batman kill in the nightmare vision, but, you know, you can interpret that as an alternate future. But the Batmobile chase is the first time where we're just like, yes, this Batman kills will drag your car with you in it, will crush you in it, does not give a shit about it. Obviously, this was this is criticized for Batman being a killer again. Uh, but as I should note, the only one who isn't is uh, George Clooney out of the modern ones because everyone else is somewhat responsible for the deaths of people. So if we're going to judge this, judge this we're only judging that based off of the characterization and the fact that we're acknowledging that he's not the only one who's done that. Uh, Snyder, of course, says that this is a part of his arc, that this is an existential Batman traumatized from losing Robin and from the events of Man of Steel who loses his moral compass. And it's through Superman that he finds himself again uh, in finding Superman's sort of humanity and realizing that we're all humans. And um, I just really want that visual. <laughs> you know, any way I <laughs> oh, can Batman get Batman with it. a gun? Yeah, <laughs> any which away. Really. Uh, this is arguably one of the few Batman movies to, to have Batman break the rule but turn it into... Uh, an arc uh, some could argue that Batman Returns does that kind of with him killing Red Triangle Circus members and then trying to talk Catwoman out of killing Max at the end but I'm not really sure if that's really what they intended in that but here it's definitely intentional so Snyder had this in mind for Batman's character arc however fans have criticized Snyder for not understanding Batman's character in the first place because they figured that Batman would never be in this position at all so this is a hotly debated topic, probably one of the more hotly debated ones on here, but uh, where do you guys stand on this? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is like one of the, I guess, the big points of the movie for me because if it's supposed to be his character arc, this is the first time we're being introduced to Ben Affleck's Batman. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen him before, so we don't even understand or know that that's part of his character arc. We haven't seen a Batman like him, that his Batman not kill and not be this way. You know, it makes sense, I guess, if this was like the Christian Bale Batman and just mm -hmm. kind of transferred over and now we're seeing a continuation of his storyline. But yeah, you just, this is the only Batman uh, Batfleck that you know, and he's already doing this stuff. So you don't understand that this is an act out of desperation. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's just, yeah, Batman has killed before. I like it when Michael Keaton blows that guy up that's funny <laughs> you know it's so cartoony but this it's so like it's very realistic it's callous it's not even like he just is swinging them cars around and just smash them into each other he could have just left the car there and that car would have been out of commission and he could have just kept going and taken the other cars out so that they couldn't you know transfer the kryptonite but it's just you know he has all these gadgets and all these tools and then he's just just uh, you know, slaughtering people, and that feels just just wrong. Nothing else about this Batman is even throughout the whole movie feels that wrong to me. But that part just really shocked me because you can't tell me you see these cars like <laughs> flying around that just had people in them, just smash and blow up and explode, and think they're like going to be in Gotham General later on with a little white band aid on. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's some other scenes where he's outside of the nightmare sequence where I think he's 
maybe in the warehouse sequence where he's, he's using their <clears throat> guns against them, but they have Kevlar on probably, so maybe well, we can let him go on that one. But this in have the a, where in the warehouse he shoots above them. I think I don't think he actually hits anybody. I think he shoots. Oh above really? Them okay. To scare them. So we can. However, let that he, one slide. he still kills people beforehand. <laughs> he <laughs> still blows people up in the bat wing beforehand. Yeah. So, so yes. I mean, but so. This is whenever, yeah, the the the, the Batmobile sequence, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I'll go, I would go with critics on this. Uh, I know that his explanation is, again, this is a burnout bat, but mm-hmm. just because he's a burnout, I still don't think Batman Bruce Wayne should ever really get to that point where he's just willy-nilly killing people, you know? <laughs> maybe the brand in a Frank Miller one, maybe we can let the branding slide. But yeah. just like straight up murdering people, uh, even if they're bad guys, dude. Yeah, just yeah. it's too much. It's just too much. Mm-hmm. They really want it. They want a big action sequence, and they just don't care if Batman kills. That's how it feels to me. They don't yeah. care if he does it, just as long as they can get that visual on that motherfucking screen. Right. Uh, so as I covered earlier, uh, obviously I agree with you guys. So that's now Snyder four critics nine. Um, <sighs> I wish and, I still root for you, Snyder, in some way, I though. Know. I, know. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it, yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, cinematic Batman. Again, I'm like, I'm tired of seeing Batman kill in the movies. I'm just tired of seeing it. So when I saw it again, I'm just like, this, it's not dramatic anymore for me to see this. If anything, it's more dramatic for me to see him have the rule and obey it <laughs> yeah, in, exactly. in, the, in the movies. But that would be lame. Ben. <laughs> that's that's way more dramatic Fucking for lame me at this point. Shit. I just haven't seen much of it. So that's the other part. And then from a story standpoint, 100% agree with Zach. This would be way more powerful if you had established Ben Affleck's Batman as the guy who's like, I won't kill people, I won't kill people. And then he loses Robin. He loses Jack in the uh, Man of Steel sequence. Uh, Jack is what did it, man. (laughs) Not Jack. Jack is what did it. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) And then you see him lose his way. Uh, or get more brutal because that is true to the comics in a way in post Jason Todd's death in the comics he was more brutal but he still never crossed the line Um, so you can still explore that you could have him I think there's a version of this movie where he's more brutal but he's not necessarily killing people the only person he plans to kill is Superman and then when you have that whole sequence of him and Superman and he realizes that he's becoming what he hates I mean if they they dramatize that if they're like this is going to be my first kill yeah, I'm go- yeah. I'm taking yeah. out Superman, and then he has a conversation with Alfred, and Alfred's like, "You cross that line, you might yeah. not, you probably won't come back." You know, if, yeah, if they exactly. made if they made a scene like that, would have been fucking sweet, you know, and no and no other killing in any other movie, any other, any of the Agreed. other parts of the movie, you know, but it was not handled well. You know, it <laughs> makes it seem like it's not a, this makes it seem like it's not a big deal. He's already mowing down like henchmen and yeah. everything else. So like, what's one more person? What's Kill Superman? Superman <laughs> Also, people brought up, people brought up like, why is Joker still alive then? Yeah, why is any of his, why are any of his villains still alive if he's essentially the Punisher? That's true, man. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and then there's no Red Hood shit either, really, because you know if he's not killing any, if he is killing people, then I don't know. As I said, fucks with the Red Hood storyline as well if they ever do that. As I've said, yeah, beforehand, people are just like, we want to see Ben Affleck in Under the Red Hood. I'm like, the problem is that doesn't work anymore because what Red Hood's going to be like? Well, you used to kill people, and now I'm just doing what you did. (laughs) It's not the same. Exactly. It's 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 kind of screwed in that way. Plus, J.K. Simmons is Gordon. Is just okay with this. He's just going to be like, oh yeah, I'll still work with you in Justice League. I don't know if they're going to explore that, but that is that is a big question. But I think the worst part of this Batmobile sequence is the fact that it, it's completely unnecessary because he, let's think of this through, he puts a tracker on the truck 
Yeah. Why does he need to chase after it with a Batmobile and destroy everything? Right. right. And he nearly destroys oh. that truck. Right. That's right. Which means he almost destroys his own tracker in it. Right. Yeah. When it comes back, it's it's like <laughs> the ha- the top half is blown off. Right. Yeah. In, in a later scene. Because of him. Yeah. Yeah. He crashes onto it, and I'm like, wait, why did you? you either you chase after them. Or you put a tracker on it, but why put a tracker on it and then nearly destroy what you put the tracker on? What's the whole point of the tracker? Explosions are cool, Ben. <laughs> explosions are fucking sweet. Yeah. yeah, he gets he so, gets that. Yes. Let us now talk about the Batmobile. Oh, uh, we got we got to do points on that other one first. Uh, we already did. So, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Snyder yeah. four critics nine. Sorry to put this in there, but I mean we have to talk about it, right? The bat the Batmobile design it's, go, itself. Go ahead. Yeah, we could talk about it if you want to. If do you want to do another Snyder versus critics on that nah, one? I don't, I don't know. There's not a lot of critics against it, but There's it's no just, critics against it. But go ahead. Taint nothing like your first love, which is the Keaton Batmobile for me. That's right. So right. that's number one. This is maybe design wise, I like this more than the Tumbler, but still so tank like. I know what he was doing. He's trying mm-hmm. to be a Tumbler meets Keaton Bat Batmobile. Right. Yeah. I get the overall vibe, but still just like kind of way big you know i don't know and then mm-hmm. the batman that's coming out i mean that's going to make sense in the story because it's just so low-key uh mm-hmm. and and so just like normal car so i don't know but uh anyway yeah it's not my favorite i i don't like the bat plane in this either the bat or whatever mm-hmm. uh like uh, these these vehicle concept designs that are in snyder films i generally don't love them zach no i don't like it either it might as well just be the tumbler it really isn't to me it's not that different and this is what bothers me this is a world where this is the most comic book accurate batman costume <laughs> we've ever gotten right and he isn't driving around in something that looks like a bat like a right. more traditional batmobile you might as well mm-hmm. like go all the way and just have it be just it can still look you know brutal or rugged but just have it be like a more solid shape i don't like all the little nooks and crannies and details it's the exact same as the tumbler there's like all these little pieces to it just give me like that's why the keaton one i other than nostalgia i love it so much just such a smooth simplistic design i just wish like look that thing's got bat wings on it just make stuff in this movie with bat wings on it he he's wearing the comic book batman costume so no yeah like it i a hundred percent agree uh, I agree with Andrew that I like the design slightly more than the Tumblr. However, I think the reason why, the I, I, again, I like the design a little bit more. However, if I'm in terms of rankings, I kind of feel like I have to rank the Tumblr above it. And the big reason why I think is that it just the Snyder Batmobile just has never made a memorable impression. Yeah. You have like the Burton Batmobile huge impression. You know, it keeps being reused and referenced in comics and all that. Uh, obviously, the 66 Batmobile classic, you know, was the very first, technically the first Batmobile because the previous ones in the serials don't really count because it was just a fucking convertible. <laughs> but in, uh, They were trying, man. You know, they are trying real yeah, hard. The, the, the 66 Paris West, you know, the Westmobile is a classic. Uh, the the, the Burtonmobile is a classic. And then the Tumblr is a classic simply because of how new it was and, ble- and it had a hell of a showcase in Batman the, Begins. The Tumblr had a bad design, in my opinion, but great agree, scenes. Yeah. That's right, yes. Great scenes. A fantastic scene, and that's why it has a bigger impact on just overall Batman mythology versus this one where I'm like, I like the look of it more. If I had to pick between both Batmobiles in terms of which one I would take out crime fighting, I'd pick the Affleck one because it seems like I could still 
still, mm-hmm. you know, kick ass and look somewhat like a bat in comparison. But I'll I'll still pick both the the West Mobile or the Keaton Mobile over both of them uh, on that simply because it just it's just not it's never reached the iconography uh, the the Snyder Batmobile on it. It's mainly in the sequence before it gets destroyed by Superman, as we'll get to in a bit. Uh, and then it's going to show up, it shows up in the Whedon Justice League and it's going to show up in the other Justice League, but it never, its main impression is in this scene where it just kind of does what the Tumbler would do if Batman was more callous about human life. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's not my, I agree, that is not my favorite Batmobile. It could have been cooler if it had a better showcase. Uh, the Batwing, I still, again, prefer the Burton Batwing. Any plane that looks as close to the the bat insignia as possible mm-hmm. wins in my book. Uh, it does seem, as Andrew said, a combination of trying to do the Nolan take plus the traditional take uh, on it. Uh, I still definitely prefer it over the bat from The Dark Knight Rises, which looks like a yeah. fucking crab uh, to me. So <laughs> yeah. at least there's that. Uh, but again, That's like true. not not much of a showcase for that one either. It's kind of just there and serves its purpose. So uh, it's. It's a shame because of the fact that, as Zach said, like everything is so damn comic accurate with Batflex suit on this. But then the vehicles, I'm just like, eh, they're okay. You know, they're not the best. Yeah. To this day, Keaton has the best Batwing sequence. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nobody, nobody even fucking close. I mean, the Tumblr scenes might be better in some ways than the Keaton Batmobile scenes, but. Right. But not the Batwing. But yeah, yeah. Keaton. You know, Burton's Batwing sequences were just fucking stellar, top notch. I, d- I definitely say it probably goes in order in terms of memorability. So Keaton with the Batwing, and then Kilmer with a thumbs up, <laughs> <laughs> and then Bale mainly because of him faking his death through the bat at the end. I wouldn't remember as much except if, if it weren't for that nuclear bomb thing. And then Affleck at the bottom, not necessarily because I hate the Batwing, but because, again, it doesn't really make much of a memorable impression. He just flies around in it for a little bit in the movie. Does the Batmobile, does the Batfleck Batmobile, the guns, are the two at the top are always out, or do they go back into the They body? were out in the movie. Um, little turrets. Yeah, yeah the I turrets. Mean, they out. They're always out, right? I don't like that either. I know They're we're getting out so granular in, here, but just real yeah. quick, it it breaks up the uh, the sleekness of the design, mm-hmm. you know, to talk in design terms. Like, yeah. it's, it's. I would rather, if he if he does want his druthers, I would druther him to have it come come out like the Keaton style. Yeah. So it could, yeah. so they could go in and out, like, and, and, and then maintain that sleekness. I just wouldn't have him with machine guns anyway. But well, yes, for point. sure. But, you know, if he want, really wants it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Snyder has vehemently defended Batman killing people in this to the point where on the commentary he makes a lot of sarcastic comments whenever Batman kills people being like I'm sure those guys are fine we should have done an 18 shot of all of them on the side of the road going ah that hurt he thinks that it's nerdy as hell to worry about that I think yeah he thinks yeah. it's lame to worry about people about Batman killing people I, that's what I yeah. that's the vibe I get yeah uh, and then he had a rant about this at one panel that uh, was before the Snyder Cut actually became a reality. But I'm going to have Snyder come in and say, you know, his defense. It's a cool point of view to be like, my heroes are still innocent. My heroes don't lie to America. My heroes didn't embezzle money. 
My heroes didn't commit any atrocities. I'm like, that's cool, but you're living in a fucking dream world. <laughs> See, he thinks it's lame, dude. He thinks it's totally lame. I'm like, what does yeah. that have to do with Batman's character? I'm like, I'm not denying that there are people in the world who aren't who you think they are. I mean, look at what happened with Joss Whedon recently, where everyone was just yeah. like, this guy's a great writer, and now everyone thinks he's a piece of shit. Like, it, it happens, but that's not... What does that have to apply to this? This what is why the, he likes Frank Miller so much, too. This is all connected to his personality, I think. Yeah. But a bigger issue was people were pointing out that he says the same exact thing that Manchester Black says at the end of Superman versus the Elite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the you're living in a dream world mm-hmm. thing. And people were like, that's kind of not a good look when uh, the director of Superman movies is quoting the Superman villain right? Uh, yeah. on things. Yeah. But, uh, it's I get where again I get where he's going with it, but it to me it's not super dramatic when you are the fourth or fifth director to have Batman kill people and expect it to be dramatic at this point. Yeah, <laughs> he made this comment that I'll never forget, and I always think it's so incorrect that he you know is is said that he's based this off the Dark Knight Returns multiple times, and we can see that. But he's like, well, Batman's killing all kinds of people in the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. And I swear, I, I have read that book a hundred times, and I went back to check. I was like, did I miss something? <laughs> Batman kills one person, and it's very vague, and it's partially off-panel. So I feel like it's almost left up to interpretation, and that's, you know, the scene. It's almost like the Anatoly scene where he shoots the gas mm-hmm. tank, and it blows up. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's like this, like, uh, mutant guy that's got, like, this kid yeah. that he's holding a gun to in that apartment, and I think that's it. I feel like yeah. that's the only time that it looks like Batman shoots someone mm-hmm. and it almost like it seems like nothing is made about it like he didn't seem to be worried about it afterwards nothing but I don't remember any other part of the movie where he kills and even tells those guys the uh sons of Batman, sons of Batman. Mutants, yeah remember, he's like these are the enemies of the these are the weapons of the enemy he takes yeah. their guns and he like snaps them in half so you're yeah. telling me that Batman is like shooting people all the time. So. Also, the cops don't go after Batman or consider him to be a murderer until after Joker dies. Right. In that. So there's that too. Uh, yeah. <sighs> I am. We'll save that for the next episode because there's that specific sequence gets adapted by Snyder and yeah. I have the quote from Snyder on that. Uh, but uh, the next criticism comes it's at the very like, end of the car Real chase. quick, just to end that, like you, you're believing yeah. in a guy wearing a goddamn bat suit. There's Jokers or Superman and shit, but it's just entirely unbelievable that he could have fights where he doesn't kill people. <laughs> it's entire you just can't wrap your fucking mind around it. Come on, part of the fantasy of his martial arts training, League of Assassins and shit. I know what assassins in the name, but right. such yeah, extreme martial arts ability that he's able to do all this and the planning to do it all without killing people. You know? Mm-hmm. I know but I know it's a fantasy in real life. But this is this is the fantasy. This is part of the Batman mythos, mm-hmm. as many Batman fans would like to think anyway. So uh, it's just strange that, you know, we get quotes like this dream world quote he's talking about. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're fictional characters. They, they're supposed to be idealized to an extent. Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. the same with Superman. Like, oh, if anybody had that kind of power, they would it would be corrupt. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Yeah, a human. Why do you think we make comics about a guy that doesn't do that shit? Also, if you want to see that, watch uh, Homelander and The Boys. Yeah, and that's watch that fine instead. for a while, but I don't want to be... Yeah. It's like uh, whenever you see World of Tomorrow, uh, that movie that came out a, a while back. It's like uh, I'm going to talk about this later, but like, if you just keep thinking that things are going to be negative, they're going to fucking stay negative. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be at least a little bit positive about where we're going. And I just think that's related to the Superman stuff. And it's just like people, it says something about people's psychology to me. If the, if, you know, if they just can't wrap their head around somebody with power that does, does mm-hmm. good, you know, mm-hmm. why is that so fucking unbelievable, man? I, yeah, I think that's the cynicism that comes with today's society. Uh, in today's society. <laughs> in today's society. People yes. are too cynical. <laughs> we live in a society where people are too cynical for Superman. Yeah. I'm off my soapbox. I am now stepping off my soapbox. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so the next criticism is the ending of this car chase where Superman appears and people are just like, why does Superman stop him in the middle of a car chase when he's going after criminals? To show how tough he is. (laughs) 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 Hell yeah. So I'll leave that up to you guys in terms of what you thought of that. I guess it's like him saying like you know i'm right here here i am and i've been reading these articles about you branding these criminals and i'm gonna tear the doors off your batmobile to show you who's boss you better stay out of my territory bub is this a snyder versus critics point this is going to be snyder versus critics because i guess i guess snyder's would be that it's supposed to give him another scene to set up the fight but critics are saying it's kind of dumb for him to do that because Batman's out trying to stop criminals, especially criminals who have the stone that is his one weakness uh, on top of that. Uh, And then you could also, I guess another factor that you could bring in here is why is Superman acting now against Batman? Because there's an 18-month gap between the Battle of Metropolis and the events of this movie. It's that fist so, conversation, right? The only thing that he'll understand is a fist or something. I think that's yeah, but he doesn't punch Batman in this. <laughs> I know, but he's trying to use a little more scare tactic kind of shit. I don't know. Right. I think, But I think it's kind of connected to the fist thing. I think that's what they're trying to do. I think so, yeah. That testosterone, yeah. that Kryptonian <laughs> testosterone <laughs> just made him just got to go up to him and just stare him down. And yes. Yeah, they could have solved <laughs> a lot of issues in many movies could be solved with speaking to each other. Yes. Just like in real life. Yes. Yeah, just, I feel like it could have come at a different time. But it, yeah, it's just kind of out of nowhere. He's just standing there in the middle of the road for Batman to run his Batmobile into. Yeah. It was sweet as hell though. Whenever it, it it hits Superman, he doesn't fucking budge. That shit. <laughs> yeah. That shit is cool. I like that. I like him ripping it off too. Uh, this scene didn't bother me that much. I mean, it's just a little bit like, will they? Won't they? As far as a fight, you know what I mean? <laughs> Kiss. <laughs> but other Bruce than Bruce and Clark, I don't know. I might. I might do a. I might do a slight Snyder on this one. Does this scene does not bother me at all? Really, all right. Zach. I'll do Snyder just to give him an extra point. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a pity point then for Snyder. Yeah, let's do the scales here. <laughs> All right. I didn't, I didn't it's not the worst it thing about this movie, really. To you know, we'll give it. No. We'll give it. Uh, yeah, we'll give that one to him. Here's the pity point. So Snyder five critics nine. Um, yeah, I was just kind of already checked out at this point when I first watched it because I was just like, okay, fine. Like we've got Batman who's destroying the thing that he put the tracker on, and now Superman's just going to stop him for whatever reason um and then oh yeah so one of my favorite parodies of this is uh, the how it should have ended where superman stops the batmobile and batman comes out and he's like tell me do you have insurance you better <laughs> 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 uh, 
He just says, do you bleed out of nowhere? But I guess she felt like that was his only chance to talk to him, but... Yeah, the only time to threaten him. Yeah. Uh, well, so, the messed up... On the, truck. the what? Thank goodness he put that tracker on the truck, because now he knows where it went after Superman stopped him. He should have just let the tra- he should just shot the tracker and then let it go where it needed to go. Yeah. Superman's boot as he flew away. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> now I guess you could say that he put the tracker on as a contingency, but then why would he destroy the fucking truck? Yeah. And risk that. So not very for somebody who's supposed to be the master strategist, that seems like a bad strategy. He kind of lucked that out that he put that that, is tra- true. that tracker on there. Um, the kryptonite arrives and Lex sees it and there's a shot where Tao Okamoto's character Mercy uh, gets a closer look and exchanges a look with Lex and Snyder says that in that moment Lex knows he has to kill Mercy no explanation why Mercy specifically because you got all these other dudes there who were part of the, the kryptonite so if it's about trying to cover something up uh, he's got way more to worry about than Mercy but uh, he still decides to have her killed in the uh, explosion this in is, Congress so this is the look that he gives to Mercy as he opens up the chest and sees the kryptonite. Yeah, yeah. It sort of ends with a shot where she's looking, and then he's look kind of like looking at her. That's, that's not it. how I viewed that no. at all. So I, sorry to get in front of you real quick, Zach, but what I got from that look was, we are securing our future against this threat. All right. That's really it. You know, like I feel a, I feel mm-hmm. a bit of. Uh, you know, I feel safer now. I feel a little bit, a little bit calmer. I can right. feel a little bit at at rest, at ease now that I have this. And he he just exchanged that look with with Okamoto. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. What did you think, Zach? Uh, I didn't know that that was the intention until Ben just told. <laughs> yeah, me. right. Yeah, I had no idea. It actually surprised me when uh, she dies later. Mm-hmm. When it's like, oh, well, that kind of came out of left field. I thought she was going to have a little fight scene with. Yeah, Mercy, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, you don't see any of that from her. It's just, again, it's kind of like Jimmy Olsen that it just ends up being kind of a wasted character. Yeah. It doesn't subvert my expectations. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, I guess she's gone. Like, <laughs> weird. This wasn't originally a Snyder versus Critics thing, but I feel like this goes to the Critics because of the fact that she's kind of wasted in this movie. So we, we, off, we offset the uh, pity point there. Yeah. Oh, man. Snyder, this, I still like you, man. Snyder 5, I'm sorry, Critics dude. 10. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have two more, and then we'll wrap because uh, this episode is long enough as it is, but there's a certain point that I wanted to get to. It's flying by uh, for me. I don't know. I guess this is just... <laughs> sort of fresh territory for me. It's been yeah. years since I saw the movie. Uh, the next part Before is a today. scene with Superman and Martha Kent where they're talking about the fact that he's going up for, to the hearings at the Senate. And this was a controversial line as of the trailer, but Diane Lane's Martha Kent says, quote, you don't owe this world a thing. And some people were just like, that's bullshit. Martha Kent wouldn't say that. But I think the intention was the idea that or along the lines of, like, you've done enough, you know, you've done more than your fair share, is what I think she's trying to tell him on that. The, I feel like this is the same controversy as Jonathan Kent's maybe line from Man of Steel, where he's like, should I have just let them die? He's like, maybe. And people are like, he's saying that he should have killed the kids. I'm like, well, he's saying he's not sure, I think is what he's really trying to say. But, again, clarity is kind of an issue with a lot of these. So where do you guys stand on you don't owe this world a thing? Uh, I think it is her just trying to say that, you know, she loves him and that 
she's going to support him no matter what, and it's really his decision. I wish he would have added on something like, not the, you don't owe this world anything, because that does sound very cynical. Maybe she should have said something about, like, you know, how it is your choice and mm -hmm. all the things Ben just said, like, you've already done so much for this world. And she could have said something about how, like, this is your opportunity to, like, let them know who you are and what you think and what you feel and all this stuff. Like, that, I feel like, would have been more important. But, yeah, it comes off very, very cynical to just say, like, you don't mm -hmm. owe this world a thing. When it's like, well, yeah, he does. That's, like, his kind of his birthright, pretty much. Right. His birthright. Ha-ha! <laughs> uh, <laughs> so where would you side on that, Zach? Going to give it to the critics. Sounds like critics. Okay. Andrew. Yeah, I don't love it. Uh, it's, it's, they just don't know how to write the Kents in these movies, man. They really don't. <laughs> it's not earth shattering. It's not mm -hmm. like Batman yeah. branding somebody or the next snap or something like that. It's a little on the nitpicky side, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it is Superman's mother. If they just change the line to something like, um, you know, I'll support you whatever you do. Um, yeah. You've done a lot already. You do well, what you've you, done enough. You've yeah. done enough. You do what you want. Uh, you know, but like you don't owe this world world a thing. It's just it just takes. It seems like they're just not characterizing the Kents very well. You know, it, it is like what Ben said. It's yeah. it's another like maybe thing from Kevin Costner mm -hmm. kind of deal. So. Yeah. Again, so it's critics, but again, Snyder, it's not the worst thing ever. Right. Uh, that's Snyder 5, Critics 11. God I personally... <laughs> I, I personally would have voted... I, I mean, I still vote for Snyder, even though I'm outvoted on it, simply because I'm just like, I get the intention. Maybe it's not the best uh, in terms of the line, but it didn't it didn't trip me up uh, much. I can see why others are, are tripped up, but it didn't trip me up personally. So that's why I will give that to him. But he doesn't get that point. So Snyder 5, Critics 11. Man. Uh, when we get to the Senate, uh, Holly Hunter is seen talking to a senator identified by his placard, Senator Purrington. He's actually played by Senator Patrick Leahy, who is third in line for succession of the presidency as of today. Uh, not today, but as of this year, now that uh, Joe Biden is president. Okay. Uh, the senator has been in a ton of Batman material. He was previously he cameoed in Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. He was the voice of the governor in the uh, episode Showdown of Batman the Animated Series uh, that had Jonah Hex in it. Uh, and he was in The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. His most famous scene is when he tells Heath Ledger's Joker at the party, we're not intimidated by thugs. Yeah. And Joker yeah. grabs his face and says, you remind me of my father. So uh, he shows up here only to get blown up uh, by Lex Luthor and Scoot uh, in there. But uh, I just wanted to give a little shout out to to uh, the senator there for being in this movie. All right. Final Snyder versus Critics. You guys all knew this was coming because this is part of the sketch. But I wanted to get to this part. The Jar of Piss. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so uh, Critics were just like, what the fuck? There is a jar of pee as a plot point in this movie. And uh, Snyder, I think it's supposed to be a metaphor because of the earlier scene with Holly Hunter and Lex Luthor, where she tells him that he can, you know, she can spot through any of his deception in the bullshit, you know, quote unquote, you know, take a jar of piss and call it Granny's Peach Tea for all I care. And it's kind of symbolic of what he was talking about and saying that, uh, you know, power in terms of power, like he can get to where he can get anywhere, really. That's kind of his way to be like, oh, I got you. 
uh, sort of. But I would also argue that we're so distracted by the fact that there's a jar of pee on her desk that we're not really computing that in that moment as an audience. Right. So where do you guys right. stand on this? Starting with Zach. I like the jar of pee pee. You like it. You like it. <laughs> sure, I'm fine with it. Whatever. This is you like, love Lex in this movie. You really do. Like I said, I'm not attached to this character. I'm just like, you know, it's kind of like, it is like a funny little like dark joke that he did that. But I just, yeah, it's like, it's whatever. It's, it's the least offensive thing to me in this movie, I think. It's not like she right. drank it, you know. That would have been. Well, I'm about like to die, so fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> That would have been quite a scene. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew. I don't, didn't know what he was doing with the jar of piss because I think I, I think I I think I missed that line and I might have gone to the bathroom or something in the when I saw it when I saw it in the fucking theater, which is my you fault. You were filling up your jar of piss. Yeah, I was, but like I didn't get the fucking callback at all when I first. I was like, why the fuck is this fucking pee pee here? That makes fucking no sense at all. <laughs> so <laughs> it didn't play for me at all that first time. I put tell you that much. Okay. So what about the second, the time? second time? It's supposed to be. I'm calling you out on my threat. Is that that's the intention, right? Kind of. I think it, it's him. I mean, clearly she gets the idea that she's gonna die. But there's just something so inherently awkward about a jar of piss. <laughs> I know. It's like, Just it's so inherently could have been <laughs> some other kind of device. To say the same thing. It's not, doesn't break the movie like the last point, but it is, Max Landis actually points this out in, in his breakdown of it. Yeah. It's like we got a whole plot point based on a jar of piss. Does not make yeah. any sense? Uh-huh. Um, that's one of the things I really agree with Landis on. I mean, it's, it's critics, again, not mm-hmm. movie breaking. It's just so strange. Like, okay, now... Holly Hunter knows she's going to die because she's looking at a jar of piss. It's very crass, I feel like, for this kind of movie. Yeah, there's... Right. I, I don't know what... It's a, maybe, yeah, like a sensibility thing or something. There's just some other kind of device they could have used, some, more, some other kind of plot point. Help me out, Ben. Angry, yeah. Like, what could have been on that <laughs> desk? You know? Anything that she could have said, you know, is some form of deception or anything that they can call back to. Yeah. Um, and that conversation even didn't been, have that conversation had some other kind of dialogue. Yeah, put, or it could have been the. Um, go there. ahead, Zach. You could have put a Jolly Rancher on her desk, and then and then put <laughs> that into her that mouth. Into her mouth, yeah. <laughs> That's another thing. I mean, I get it's like he's such he's got such power. He's able to just play with people like that. I I understand that, but yeah, it's awkward. Yeah, the way that they they uh, portray that. Uh, yeah. No, I agree with I agree with Andrew. There's something. Like my reaction should be like, oh shit! It shouldn't be like, what the? F- why? <laughs> it's cool that Holly why? Hunter gets stopped in her speech. Yeah, that's that's cool. But it should be like, it should chill you to the bone. Yeah, not yeah. trip you up and be like, so that's what it is. <sighs> yes, whose pee is in the jar? Is it Lex's? That's a lot of pee too. Somebody fucking drink a shitload. Lex drank a whole, two gallons of water just to make sure that he could do that. But then, if he was that hydrated, it would be clear. I am diabolical. What if it was Not a enough. pea flavored Jolly Rancher? Yeah. What if it was slightly red? Brought to you pea? by Lex Corp. Whoa, whoa. Huh. 
<laughs> All right. She dips her well. fingers in it. <laughs> Cherry. <laughs> uh, this got off the rails, but okay. Our final score for part two has been Snyder five, critics twelve. Again, we this is maybe an hour and a half into a three-hour movie, so we still got another half to go. It's turning into a landslide, but you never know what's yeah. going to happen in the last half of the game, y'all. You, you never know. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming up. So, anyway, uh, we will catch you next time on that. For, but for now, that is superhero stuff you should know. All right. <laughs> comment section time. The comments, everyone. Sparkageddon has returned, so I'm going to have you read it, uh, Andrew, because you do good <laughs> Sparkageddon voice. <laughs> he has a lot of comments. Yes. Say, can you do a deep dive in Mortal Kombat films since it was in the 90s and the new f- and the new film is coming out within April? By April? And thanks! For the shout-out, I learned so much from what all I thought I knew about the Batman and his 90s-era films. Thank you, Spark Thank you, Spark Again. <laughs> uh, Andrew would have to take over the Mortal Kombat deep dive because I know less than probably both Spark Again and Andrew on Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I love that you brought that up. I mean, uh, Spark Again, um, I love Mortal Kombat. Uh, you know... I love fighting games. I'm a huge gamer. Check out Thunder Wolf uh, Lives. Thunder Wolf Lives on, on YouTube for all that side of my life. Um, I mean, it's it's weird. I never like even thought about a career in gaming. I just didn't like programming, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah. Um, the Mortal, Mortal Kombat, I mean, the first movie's great. And we'll probably, maybe we'll cover that. Um I mean, Ben doesn't know much about the mythology with it, but, I mean, we can talk about a movie all day long, so right. there you go. You can check out the 90s films, and you can tell me about the how they compare. In my opinion, the, the, the first 90s one is still, like, pretty good. It's, like, it's not it's not bad for what it is. I mean, it's, it's a cheesy 90s film, but, I mean, shit, it was good for what it was. And, I mean, the storyline is just the fucking... So fighting games are known, just to, to help you out, Ben, real quick. Mm-hmm. Fighting games are known to have some of the either a the worst or most convoluted or both storylines ever because they have like a million characters. So there's so mm-hmm. much to cover. So like that's something that they're gonna have to tackle for this new movie. But hopefully they keep it simple. And oh, that Scorpion one that came out was not bad. The animated one. There was an animated one by DC recently by Warner Brothers. Mm. So uh, I thought it was pretty cool. But I like that kind of shit. So. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get that deep dive to you, Spark, again. We got a lot on the schedule, but uh, at some you know, point, we'll we'll finally get to it. It's HBO point. Max. It's Warner Brothers in our wheelhouse, kind of. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So. Yeah. We got we got a lot coming up, especially with the Snyder stuff. You guys have no idea. Uh, all right. Walter the Wobot is back. Uh, the next two comments are about the priest scene in Man of Steel. I guess we had a lot of comments about our analysis of it. Uh, Walter says, quote, I don't like the pre-scene either because I'm none too fond of the Christ allegory. In defense of the scene, however, I will say this. Clark gets very little advice from his parents, and what little he does get is mostly of poor quality. <laughs> Maybe he turned <laughs> yeah, that's right. to the priest out of desperation. That's right. Many people turn to religion <laughs> oh, when they are let down. My parents suck, so I guess I'll go to the local church. <laughs> Many people turn to religion when they are let down or disenfranchised by family, friends, and society. Who would have been better advice than the Almighty? 
and Clark probably saw the priest as a conduit to God. So, Walter playing devil's advocate there. Thank you, Walter, uh, on that. It's very much possible. I mean, I think this was the intention anyway, was for him to sort of find some spiritual guidance in that point. Yeah. Um, so, our next uh, comment is from... He told me how to pronounce his first name. I don't know about the last one, but Yeet Isik. Uh, let me know how I did that on that Yeet. Uh, something about Snyder's religious beliefs, he says. He was raised as a Christian scientist. I did not know that. Interesting uh, deep dive I, shit from the fans. I don't know if he still is or when he did Man of Steel uh, on that boat, but I know he was when he was doing Watchmen. Even though his upbringing is a known fact, I learned the latter from a Watchmen cast member. Uh, as for the church scene, I don't think it was necessary for the plot, but that might be my atheism that rolls my eyes on anything that's related to religion talking. <laughs> so, uh, he was at, so yeah, that's an interesting fact that we did not know. Uh, about Snyder, potentially of it informing that scene. Uh, but other than that, you know, I personally am not hugely interested in the religions of different uh, directors or cast members unless it's something that ties into uh, one of their films in an interesting way. But it, that is interesting. It seeps to their work, though, I think, in some way. It does with this. Uh, yeah. If that's it why can. that part's in there, that's, that's interesting. It's certainly interesting. So thank you for that. Do you guys know anything? I don't actually don't know much about the Christian scientist sect or I mean, denomination or whatever you would call every it. Every medical show uses Christian science to be the whole like, you know, you can't operate type of thing because we're from Christian science and stuff and we don't oh. believe in that. And then they have the doctor who goes rogue to, to operate on the kid anyway and he gets in trouble. Like That's that's such a yeah. medical cliche type of thing that I think might be outdated because I think they're, they're not doing that anymore, the Christian science. Okay, I didn't even know that. I, I know a little bit thing. about this kind of thing, but I didn't know about mm. that. Yeah. But uh, those are the fan comments for this week. So over on to Andrew. Thanks, everybody, for those comments. Always appreciate it. All right. So thank you once again to our Patreon supporters who are Shasta, Laom O, Super Emperor Man, Douglas P, Dan D. And we'd like to thank our other supporters, Spark Again, SDCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Kukin Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B., Shamrock Balls, Aaron Willett, Ian H., and Walter the Wobot. <laughs> I believe Aaron Willett's also Patreon. Willett is? Oh, please forgive me. God damn it, I thought I updated this list. All right, I'm going to do that now and paste. All right, so sorry about that, man. Um... We'll fix that going forward. So, uh, anyway, uh, Shasta Army, the $1 tier, uh, that is on patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And then the $5 tier, the $1 tier gets you the shout out. The $5 tier gets you a whole other extra show. And that is every Friday, the deeper dives generally by Ben. Uh, very similar to this show, but like even deeper, man. You thought we got like deep <laughs> on this show? We go even deeper. We go into the Kryptonian religion and shit. Learn about Krypton's moon. I'm not kidding. <laughs> on a, on that. Don't give out the name. Okay. <laughs> anyway. They can just look it up. Yeah, I, I know. I know. That's true. I can look up all this shit. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Um, not in the way that we do it. That is true. All right. So, um, uh, yeah. Check out our merch. Uh, if it's not on Patreon, it's on Redbubble. And that's superhousepod.redbubble.com. We're also on T Public. That's T E E. My cat's meowing. T E E Public.com slash user slash superhouse podcast 5000 is the URL for that one. And then Threadless, superhouse stuff Get your Ben Man merch. Get your Indeed Man merch. 
those illustrations brought to you by Wolfie. Uh, and uh, leave us a review on iTunes, please. And uh, after that, please uh, take out your phone, use your phone recorder app, and record us a little bumper. That means an audio clip, and we'll and then send that audio clip to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter and Instagram, and also I have a whole other YouTube talking about my interest in all things Japan and video games, Japanese language and culture as well. Uh, sort of deep divey kind of thing there. Um, in its own way on that topic. And uh, that's at youtube.com slash user slash Thunderwolf Lives or just search Thunderwolf Lives on YouTube. You'll find it. Thunderwolflives.com. All that stuff. I'm on there. And uh, this podcast also was on YouTube. Uh, Superhero Stuff Pod. Search us on there if you're not. And uh, I think that's going to do it, Ben. You can also follow us on Twitter at SuperHousePod as well as Instagram at Superhero Stuff Pod. Uh, you can follow my personal Instagram at Ben Juan Writer, as well as my son's Instagram. Yes, my furry cat, uh, Alfie. Alfie Pennyworth Cat is the uh, handle. That's Alfie Pennyworth Cat, all in one word. Uh, you can also check out my website, BenWanWriter.com, uh, and uh, my channel will also be in the link below as well, where I have excerpts from the podcast where I pitch different ideas about comic book movies. On sometimes they're my own ideas of a movie that they haven't done yet or it's going to be an idea of how something could have been different we have the full 30 minute justice league time travel uh cut uh, pitch in there so you can check that out you can also check that out on my instagram where i'm posting these on igtv so any one of those that's fine just you know leave me a comment if you uh like what you see anyway over on to zach let our viewers know how they can find you do you have a catstagram <laughs> no. Okay. I do have four cats, so you think I should? You got four cats. You might as well. Yeah, I do. Wow. You get a lot of hits with them. What are their names, yeah. real quick? Uh, Vincent, Frida, Georgia, and Andy. They're all named after famous nice. artists. Nice, yeah. like Ninja Turtles. That's right. <laughs> that is cool. I'm gonna give them a little mask. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> You guys can uh, follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. All of it is under Zachary Jackson Brown Art. That's it. Nice. Awesome. Nice, right. man. So, that is part two of Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice Snyder vs. Critics. There might even be a part four at this point because it took two parts for us to get to the first hour and a half of the movie, so we'll probably need more for the rest but uh, when we come back we will be covering what happens after the Senate explosion and I suspect we'll probably get into Martha so check it out see ya <laughs> bye